You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. It is time for another edition of Locked On Indians. We're going to go into our Sim League some more, talk about how things are going in the, with the virtual Cleveland Indians. We are continuing the Greatest Teams Week, and after talking about uh, the 54 Indians, we're going to talk about a related team. I'll bury the lead on uh, on this one a bit. I'm sure most of you can figure out who has to appear. We're only doing three shows this week, and we talked about the team with the greatest winning percentage that fell short. Who else could it be? Let's uh, let's dive into the simulation. So we have the April 6th game against the Minnesota Twins. Uh, Shane Bieber on the mound, Rich Hill on the mound for the Twins. Now, Rich Hill, of course, isn't actually pitching in real life at this time because he's hurt, but the fact he was on the mound was to our benefit in this one. Uh, the Indians had themselves a home run derby. Now there has been some talk in the league about having like a home run derby because you could do it with social distancing and have some baseball stuff. And this is a game where the Indians got into that idea. They win this one 11 to six. They had 11 runs on 14 hits and one error on the other side. The twins had six runs on 12 hits. The Indians had, uh, let's see the players that went deep. Carlos Santana, Jose Ramirez, Domingo Santana, Oscar Mercado, Fran Mil Reyes twice, and Jordan Luplo. It's almost like who didn't go deep in this one. And that's six ninths of your lineup uh, hitting a home run, the multi home run game for Fran Mil. So 14 of the, I'm sorry, seven of the 14 hits were home runs. Uh, Jose Ramirez and Francisco Lindor had uh, doubles. Ramirez actually had two. So Jose Ramirez had two doubles and a homer in this one. It was quite the game for him. He is now hitting 435 on the year. It was the first home run of the year for Santana, Domingo Santana, and uh, Oscar Mercado. It being the fifth for Carlos Santana keeps the team lead. Pitching, Shane Bieber, eight innings, two runs, one earned, allowed six hits and a walk, struck out six, and had a home run, given up. Uh, he went eight innings. Dominic Leone, I had uh, come out at the top of the ninth, and it was not pretty. Uh, two-thirds of an inning, he gave up three runs on three hits and a home run. I had to bring in Oliver Perez, and not great there either. In one-third of an inning, he gave up three hits, one earned run. So we entered the ninth with the situation where I had pulled Bieber after a strong, uh, strong game, but he was already at 108 pitches. You have the ninth inning, and you're up 11-2, to two, and your bullpen gives up four runs, which has been, if you've been following along, just a consistent theme with how bad the pen is this year. So uh, this game allows the Indians to uh, go to 6-5, and five, so they're above 500 finally. Uh, it's the first game in the series with the Twins at Minnesota. Uh, 59 degrees, calm wind. I was kind of curious about that. I was like, what is the wind like? Two hours and 45 minutes. Uh, Byron Buxton and Max Kepler went deep on the other side. Rich Hill gave up seven earned on eight hits, no walks, three Ks, and six of the home runs. Jake Reed came in relief and gave up another home run. So if you're curious at home, the players who didn't go deep, Cesar Hernandez, who's really struggling this year in all honesty, Roberto Perez, and Francisco Lindor, which is kind of funny because that's your... 8, 9, and 1. So it was a line of guys. The center of the, the lineup all connected to go deep. Then we come back for the April 7th game. That's Tuesday's game. This podcast will post on Wednesday, so it makes sense to have those two games to talk about. For the Tuesday game, 
Well, let's get into it. We have Aaron Saval on the mound against Jose Barrios. Uh, Saval has been excellent so far this year. Unfortunately, didn't really continue into this one. He would get, uh, so he'd give up a run in the first, a run in the second. He'd give up three in the fourth. He'd come back in the fifth and give up uh, another two. He he gets is unable to leave in the fifth. Uh, that's where he really kind of gets hung up. And the the Indians give up uh, seven runs in this one. They try to make a late rally, but it is not enough for them. So let's just get into it. Uh, again, lineups are really weird. Um, so this Twins team is nowhere near as good as it should be because Alex Avila is, for some reason, hitting leadoff as catcher, and um, he shouldn't even be the starting catcher. And then Tyler Grazalokowski is playing first base, when that should probably be Miguel Sano. So, you know, let's, let's just dig into this one, though. So Berrios versus Saval. Uh, we talked about that Saval goes four and two-thirds, seven runs, six earned, three walks, five strikeouts, two home runs, nine hits, uh, just 90 pitches that this game takes him from leading the team in ERA to putting his ERA now over five. Uh, Oliver Perez comes in and pitches two and a third innings, gives up two hits, strikes out three and walks one, and Brad Hand comes on to get some work, and he goes one inning and walks someone, and that's the only thing in his line. Uh, for the Indians, they put up two in the first and three in the ninth. They tried to rally late. It wasn't enough. Jose Ramirez hits his fourth home run of the year. That's back-to-back games for him. Francisco Lindor with a double. That's back-to-back games with, for him with a double. Oscar Mercado also with a double in this one. Uh, error on Jose Ramirez did a lot lead to one earned run. Multiple players hitting into double plays. Uh, multi-hit game for... Oscar Mercado, no, I'm sorry, nobody with a multi-hit game in this one. Uh, Reyes, Santana, and Luplo were all held hitless. Uh, Franmo Reyes did have two walks, so that is something. Uh, it means that him and Oscar Mercado were the only players to reach base more than one time in the game. Uh, final score, 7-5. to five. Twins score 11, or 7 runs on 11 hits. The Indians have 5 runs on 7 hits and an error. Indians fall back to 506-6. The, the Twins are 7-5. and five. And Wednesday's game, which... Uh, I'm sorry, that was Wednesday's game. Uh, I will pull up now. So the Wednesday's game, uh, which would be occurring in the evening of when this drops is the final game that I had simmed. This is the April 8th game. It's the rubber match of this series against the Twins. Uh, another interesting one, because Max Gar- Mitch Garver, the catcher, is instead the DH, but uh, he has a big game, a double and a, a home run. Rosario also has a double and a home run in this one. It's Adam Pletko versus Jake Odorizzi. And, well, let's just get into it. Uh, Indians take a 2-0 lead, and that holds into the fourth inning. Um, Adam Plutko is your pitcher. He goes three innings, gives up two runs on four hits and two stri- uh, and no strikeouts. Both runs were solo shots. Uh, he was pitching pretty well until he got into the third there. He wasn't even tired, and then it was just boom, boom. Okay. Uh, Hunter Wood comes in, and he is the loser in this one. He goes two and two-thirds innings. Gives up two runs, one earned on two hits, two walks. He does strike out three. But the real killer in this one is uh, 
Adam Simber, who we've been talking about his fine performance this year, while it all came undone in this one. Now, admittedly, it got to a point where I just left him out to dry because uh, they weren't going to win this one, and why waste another pitcher? Simber goes two innings, gives up six runs, five earned on six hits, no walks or strikeouts. Uh, Now his ERA is pushing seven after that strong start for the year for him. For the Indians, multi-hit game for Lindor and Mercado. Uh, Jose Ramirez has a walk and hit, so it's also a um, multi-on-base game for him. Uh, Santana and Luplo continue to kind of struggle. Cesar Hernandez continues to scuffle pretty badly. Uh, home run by Mercado, his second of the year. Double by Jose Ramirez and Roberto Perez. Uh, the one error was on Adam Simber, so his one earned run was thanks to him. Uh, to kind of go into our final box score, it's the Indians score three runs on eight hits and an error. The Twins score 10 runs on 12 hits, no errors. The Indians fall below 500. They are six and seven. The Twins are now eight and fifth and are eight and fifth, eight and five and are first in the Central Division. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing when it is that uh, Clevenger was uh, supposed to come back because I really would love the chance to take him off this team and instead put in, um, to, I'm sorry, to put Clevenger in and to take off Pledco because we've uh, we've definitely had that situation. The next series is a four-game series against a very good Rays team. Uh, next Monday is off, and then it is the Tigers, and Red Sox is a team that's possibly in disarray, and then it's A's, Yankees, Red. So, I mean, that's a brutal, the end of April was going to be a brutal stretch for the Indians no matter what, but we are... Uh, Sim uh, Sim World, it is continuing to be so. Our sponsor for this week is one that can help us out during these trying times, and that's Postmates. It uh, doesn't matter what you need it, when you need it, Postmates is there for you any time of day, any day of the week, 365, 24-7. Uh, if it's the pharmacy, if it's food, if it's uh, groceries, Postmates will bring it to your door. So it doesn't matter what you need when you need it i i know personally right now i've got a two-year-old um my wife is a college professor i'm a middle school teacher so while the world is like shutting down we still have to both of us work while also trying to corral uh, a small child and something like postmates is a lifesaver in those times because it means you know you can't take the two-year-old to the store anymore so postmates will deliver to you you can't take the two-year-old to the uh to the pharmacy, Postmates is going to bring it to you. If you are exhausted after spending a day trying to help students through uh, online classes, and then with a, a small child when you're not doing that, uh, Postmates is fantastic because then it's dinner and you don't have to think and you are ravenous. So the deal right now and something to take advantage of for sure is Postmates is giving our listeners $100 of free delivery credit for the first seven days. To start your free deliveries, download the app and use the code Locked On. That code Locked On is what you're going to use once you download the app for $100 of free delivery credit with no minimum purchase for your first seven days. So take advantage. Get that out there. Get the max fees taken care of. Uh, use that full 100 Anything you need, anytime you need it, Postmate it. So if you haven't figured it out already, I think it's pretty obvious that the team we have to talk about is the 1948 Indians. Now this is there's a lot of reasons why the 48 Indians stand out um, just historically for the Cleveland Indians. 
One, it was the first year they were broadcast on television in Cleveland on WEWS. It was the first chance that like fans could connect with the C, uh, the, the team. Two, that was one of the two years Satchel Page, is, Satchel Page pitched in Cleveland. He was a rookie. Uh, if you don't know at home, the 48 Indians made the World Series in Satchel Page when he was called from the pen to relieve Bob Feller in game... Five, I believe, uh, became the first African-American pitcher to pitch in a World Series, to come to the mound and pitch. So that's a big moment. Uh, the Indians in that World Series set uh, multiple attendance records. I know there was a point in time where the Indians sent attendance records um, with over 80,000 fans in the old stadium to watch the uh, the Indians. I'm trying to think the other things that stood out in terms of kind of if there was a uh, history making i mean it it was a history making year for a lot of reasons uh you know not bury this lead if you're not familiar the 48 indians were the last time the indians won a world series now that means that they have the second longest drought in major sports uh since uh without a championship since the arizona cardinals of the national football league the arizona cardinals have gone longer without but uh the indians are second Number two, um, there was that point in time where, like, uh, I remember I had a buddy who talked about how it was like all these curses were getting broken because at the time it was like the longest droughts. Uh, it was the Red Sox, and then the next year was the White Sox. So he thought the Indians were definitely in line. Um, and that was kind of when the, uh, you know, the Hafner, Sizemore, uh, Victor, kind of uh, CeCe Sabathia core was really amping up. Unfortunately, that didn't come together, and here we are. Uh, a decade past that time and we're, we're still dealing with the drought but let's talk about the 48 indians the team that won now there are a lot of familiar names from the 54 uh team uh in terms of players that were on both teams uh the pitching staff mostly most of the offense actually changed greatly over that six-year period now this is a time really before free agency so guys were kind of there and they didn't necessarily, you know, get it. You would stay with the team for eight to ten years. Uh, Al Rosen did play that year in a very small role with the Indians, and he was part of that big core for '54. Uh, Larry Doby was, uh, you know, on the '48 team and on the '54 team. Uh, Dale Mitchell is an excellent left fielder who often gets forgetted, forgetted, often gets forgotten in team history in terms of the level of production. Ken Ket- Keltner. Uh, is in that discussion for greatest third baseman in franchise history. Joe Gordon at second base, we talked about on the all-time team. Uh, He's in there, uh, gets replaced by Bobby Avila, but Joe Gordon is a future Hall of Famer. Jim Hegan is still there. Uh, He is the only hitter, I think, uh, along with Doby, who is consistent. And I haven't talked about Lou Boudreaux at short because Lou Boudreaux, the difference between Lou Boudreaux to George Strickland is kind of amazing and terrible and you just see um the drop off i mean lou boudreau at the time is arguably the best shortstop in baseball and george strickland is struggling to be league average-ish uh it's not great at first base they have eddie robinson who is a, an effective first baseman who they would move on to uh washington in 49 but he was a, a you know very solid player for them uh, he would be part of that deal that would bring Early Win, who was a big part of that 54 Indians team that we talked about last time. They didn't make too many moves that offseason. They did sign Satchel Page. Um, 
They lost Pete Milne to the New York Giants in the minor league draft. They traded Catfish Mekovich to the St. Louis Browns for Johnny uh, Berendino and Ralph Wiggle for Thurman Tucker. Now, Thurman Tucker, who they got, um, I'm sorry, that was at the end of the season they traded Thurman Tucker to get Ralph uh, Weigel. Uh, Tucker had been kind of a part-time role. Uh, Berendino is interesting just in terms of like history. I saw that he is the only player with a World Series ring and to have a Hollywood uh, Walk of Fame star. He would retire from baseball in 52 and immediately go into acting. With the Indians, he was a part-time player in uh, 48 and 49. He had one top 10, top 25 finish for the MVP. Uh, He was not ever much of anything. Uh, Offensively, he was a uh, very much struggled to hit, uh, but he was actually pretty highly paid on that forty-eight Indians. When I was going through the numbers, that was inter- like he was the third highest paid Indian at twenty thousand a year. Uh, Lou Boudreau was at thirty-five, and Bob Feller at forty. So they went out and added this guy in the offseason. He was a part-time player to come be their third highest player paid player at the time. It was it was interesting. Um, not what I expected for most people, probably more well-known for being an actor than for his baseball performance. So this team, uh, we mentioned Satchel Page. He gets to make some starts towards the end of the year uh, and in some pretty big games and performs extremely well. He ends up having uh, seven starts that year for the Indians. He is not uh, their primary reliever, but it's an excellent pen with Ed Kleinman, Steve Gromick, uh, Russ, Christopher. The big two were Lemon and Feller, and we talked about how they were pushing their late 30s, mid to late 30s last time. Well, now they're in their mid to late... Uh, well, they're they're in their late 20s at this point. Uh, their third starter is Gene uh, Berendin, Berendin, who was, uh, I believe, a knuckleballer, who was really good that year and excellent in the postseason. Sam Zoldick was their four, and Don Black made the fifth most starts. Uh for this team, it was a very tight down the stretch. They end up tying the Boston Red Sox um, at the end of the year. So there, there's the first time a playoff for a playoff game occurred. The first one-game playoff. Uh, the Indians beat the Red Sox 8-3. to three. Uh, Gene Berendon was given the start. Uh, the Red Sox manager picked Denny Galehouse, who had not been very good that year. Ken Keltner did multiple things to help them win in advance. Uh, McCarthy said he had no one else who could pitch, and two of his pitchers said they were both ready to pitch. So uh, some conflicting statements uh, about that. Still some hard feelings. With the Indians advance, thanks to that one-game playoff, and they get to face the Boston Braves in the World Series. Game one in the World Series uh, is extremely controversial. So... Bob Feller uh, is the starter for the Indians, and Johnny Sane. This is back, you know, uh, span and Sane and pray for rain, if you're familiar with that uh, saying. So uh, Sane wins this one. Uh, one run scored on two hits. Uh, Boston had two errors, and the Indians had four hits but no runs. The controversy is it very much looked like the player at second base was picked off. Um, Massey, I believe. I'm trying to remember if I can get to it. Phil Massey. And he would later admit that, yes, he was picked off um, in the 90s. But at the time, he was called safe. Uh, the next hitter would get a single, and that's how the one run scored. So in the days of uh, instant replay, this wouldn't happen now. 
But imagine, the Indians losing Game 1 of the World Series, Bob Feller on the mound, a one nothing game, because a run scores in the 8th after a guy was picked off and it was not called. Brutal, right? Well, it does get better because we know they win. Game 2, Bob Lebman against Warren Spahn. Uh, the Indians get 4 across. Boston gets 1. Sorry about that. Uh... For this game, you know, Joe Gordon had uh, some big moments, but it's it's Bob Lemon and his limiting Boston throughout. The Indians were able to uh, to get guys crossed through multiple innings. Uh, Larry Doby got an RBI. This is not one of Jim Hegan. Uh, Jim Hegan actually had a pretty big series when you go through and you look at some of the stuff. Uh, strong performance by him. But this was the second game at Boston at Braves Field. Uh, the Indians pull out the win thanks to Bob Lemon's performance, and it's a tide going back to Cleveland. Uh, in the game three, no home runs were hit, and that wouldn't happen again, that there'd be no home runs in the first three games until the 2014 World Series. Uh, Gene Baradin was fantastic. Uh, zero earned runs on five hits. Boston had another error. Uh, at this point, Boston, I believe they had an error in game two, right? Yeah, they had an error in every game one, two, and three. Uh, Barrington pitches the complete game shutout. Uh, the Indians win 2 nothing on five hits. Their two runs came on a Larry Doby ground out and a Jim, Jim Hegan RBI single. So at this point, the Indians are up two games to one. Game four is also in Cleveland. And another tight affair. 2-1. Cleveland wins this one. They get two runs on five hits. Uh, Boston has one run on seven hits. Steve Gromek, who if you remembered from earlier, started for the Indians, but he was he had worked primarily out of the pen that year for the Indians. Uh, I was kind of surprised when I was going through that he was who they chose. Johnny Sane went for uh, Boston. Really a game the Indians probably should have lost when you're looking at the matchup. Dale Mitchell had a leadoff single that Lou Boudreau doubled him in. And the other run would be a Larry Doby home run in the third. And that was enough. The Indians were able to take a 3-1 to one series lead. So in the next game, you got game five, a 3-1 series lead. The Indians are going with Feller. They're going with Warren Spahn. Interesting fact about Bob Feller is he was part of, you know, the 48 and 54 teams, but he never actually won a World Series game. Uh, it's one of those things that he just happened to miss out on because of bad luck in game one. Game five was not his best performance. And this is where Satchel Paige makes that appearance and becomes the uh, the first uh, African-American player to pitch in a World Series. 86,288 fans. There's going to be like a four-game stretch this year where the Indians can't uh, get that many total. And that's something they had here in the World Series. They lose this one 11-5. Uh, Boston just tees up on... Ed Kleiman, uh, on Feller. It's a rough game. Uh, The Indians lose. They have five runs on six hits and two errors. Boston has 11 runs on 12 hits. Game six goes back to Boston. And uh, Cleveland doesn't mess around in this one. Bob Lemon is on the mound. Uh, For Cleveland and the previous one, just to go back real quick. Uh, Bob Elliott, well, for Cleveland, Dale Mitchell had a home run and Jim Hegan. I talked about how Hegan had a strong performance. A pair by Bob Elliott for Boston and Bill Southfield. So you enter game six, and obviously it's an important one, but for the Cleveland Indians, if Bob Lemon doesn't win this one, 
you know, the Indians were definitely top heavy. Those top two arms were far and away their best two players on that pitching staff. So this was a very important one. And this was an extremely close fought win. Uh, Dale Mitchell had a leadoff double in the third and then scored on an Alou Boudreaux double. So we've heard, you know, that had already happened before. That combination at the top uh, really helped drive the Indians. The Braves tied the game in the fourth. And then in the sixth, Joe Gordon hits a, uh, in the Boston, no, Boston tied it. So yeah, in the sixth, Joe Gordon hits a home run. That gives Cleveland a 3-1 lead. We entered the eighth and uh, they had single, single, single. And that allowed them to take a 4-1 lead in the top of the eighth. So of course, in the bottom of the eighth, the Braves load the bases off of Lemon, single, double, walk. A sack fly gets one run across. Phil Massey, who we talked about with the pickoff, has an RBI double. At that point, Gene Baradin had come in. So Baradin, who it, it's kind of shocking because really Baradin would have been the game set, uh, seven starter, but Cleveland wasn't going to mess around. They brought in Baradin here. Uh, so he gives up that double. He makes it four to three, but he's able to get out of that. He pitches a scoreless ninth, gets the save, and the Indians win. And that is the last time the Cleveland Indians have won a sports championship in the history of the, the franchise. Uh, over the composite box score, I thought this was interesting. Both teams scored 17 runs uh, in those six games. So the Indians had 17 runs on 38 hits and three errors. For Boston, the composite score was 17 runs on 43 hits and six errors. The average attendance was 59,000, but Cleveland was averaging over 70 per game. Uh, the winning player share was $6,772. The losing player, $4,571. I mean, this stretch in here was probably the single best stretch of Indians uh, baseball in history. Now, they ran to some really good Yankees teams that limited how far they could go. But when you had the team, you know, we talked about they would trade uh, Robinson along and get early win. And we talked about the criminally underrated Mike Garcia and how well he performed when he had guys like June Barrett in. Uh, they had so much pitching that they were always competitive. They were always competing. They would win the World Series in 48. They'd have one of the greatest seasons in MLB history in 54. And a lot of those guys were still in place. And we talked about where they did have turnover. They were still finding great players. This would be kind of the high watermark into the, the 50s. And then that's where things would really start to you know unravel as we hit the 60s and then i mean specifically the 70s and 80s are the low water the phil segui eras um if you follow me on twitter i talked about the fact that uh you know last week's shows we talked about the pedro guerrero deal and the dennis eckersley deal and those both came from the same gm who was able to retire he was never fired coach was the gm for 12 seasons into his late mid 70s and only had three times the team was above 500. What a different time for sports. But this 48 team was like the opposite of that 70 squad. Um, you had the players who stuck around and got a chance to be part of two amazing runs. And the Indians have been close twice since then. Um, in, you know, the sevens, probably the, the best way to put it. Uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's unfortunate. It is kind of... To go back and you look at this and you think, man, I mean, the Indians really were arguably the number two team in the American League during those times when it's a different era where only one team makes the postseason, 
where you have the Yankees who have all the money in the world and can pretty much buy the World Series. The Indians are maybe their biggest competition. Um, we don't hear as much about those great Indians teams because they did get overshadowed because of just the way the game was. I mean, that was a time where you had a massive advantage um, in terms of money. But then again, there wasn't also free agency. But, you know, a player could still, in their own ways, force their way out of town, which we did see occur and happen. But the Indians were uh, darn near a model franchise during these times, and I think we owe it to the history. It's like when I was talking about the greatest players of all time recently on Twitter, uh, and I was talking about there are certain positions where there's no doubt, and one of them is shortstop, and someone insisted that uh, Lindor is already better than anything Lou Boudreaux was, and I'm like, well, you have to look at eras. Maybe the numbers are better, but when you look at what one guy is doing relative to the league, I mean, Lou Boudreaux is a Hall of Famer for a reason. Let's let's calm down and let's appreciate some greatness. So this is the greatest seasons in Indians history. This is a super long podcast today. I hope you've enjoyed. The 48 innings were fantastic, uh, historical for a lot of reasons, and just a lot of fun in terms of the talent on it. I have been Jeff Ellis. You have been fantastic as always. Remember to rate and review. Check out our other fantastic Locked On podcasts. You can tell your smart device to play Locked On Fantasy, Locked On Major League, uh, to hear some of the other shows as you're looking for some entertainment while we are all stuck in the social distancing era. Thank you. And as always, go Tribe.